Hey friend, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Alicia Bruxport. I have followed Alicia from afar for many years, as she is a writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries and also through the She Speaks organization, but getting the chance to chat with her one-on-one made me admire and appreciate her even more. She is the mentor that you wish you had in your life because of her warmth, humility, and perspective. In this episode, we chat about dreams, motherhood, and marriage with the overarching themes of obedience and stewarding the seemingly small. I can't wait for you to hear the overflow of her heart as she encourages us to live out the overflow of ours. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Alicia. Hello, Alicia. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you. So glad to be here. You imagined yourself as a writer long before you even knew the alphabet. Would you share how this love for words began, but has changed forms from then until now? Yes. Well, according to my mom, who is quite a storyteller, I am. Um, I was a dictator before I was a writer. I used to follow her around with this pad and pencil and insist that she write down all my stories. And um, so, yeah, I guess I ran the house. Dictator might be the word (laughs) in in so many ways. But um, I cannot remember a time that I didn't love words. Um, Another story that my mom tells and my children still mock me for is in first grade, I asked for a dictionary. And what I wanted was my sweet teacher had these really cool classroom dictionaries that had um, the Peanuts comic strips through it. So it was, you know, like a Snoopy kind of dictionary. And I thought I was getting like kind of like a comic book with words in it. Mm. And my mom just straight up got me a dictionary. <laughs> and so, you know, I've, I've been geeking over words for a long time, I guess. So we, um, we still giggle about that. I still have that little dictionary that I got in first grade. And I never told my mom I was disappointed it was missing the comics. I, just, <laughs> I do love words. I think, um, you know, it, it just looks so different in different seasons. You know, as a young child, I was always writing. Um, my sister was artistic, so we made books all the time, you know, and she drew and I wrote and storytelling through play. And we, we always, always were living out a story in our little imagination world. And, and then when I went to school, um, you know, I had teachers that the Lord sent to come alongside me and really call out those gifts that I had for writing. So the power of a teacher is incredible, I often think, as they, as they acknowledge and affirm gifts in children. So kudos to every teacher out there. Mm. Um, and I had a few come alongside me. So in high school, it really kind of shifted more to a journalism slant. And I just had the joy of writing for our school newspaper and doing really inventive sort of feature things, you know, um, digging into people's lives. And um, even in high school, I remember being invited to teach at like little young writers conferences on nearby colleges. And um, so always, I feel like the Lord gave me opportunity to share this passion. Then I went to college and got my own teaching degree. I think believing in that power of calling out the gifts and kids. And I taught English um, and writing and communication for a couple of years. And just, it was a much shorter stint than I ever imagined. But um, after having my first child, really began to feel the call home. And so my husband was in medical school and life was crazy enough without both of us 
kind of spinning in frantic circles. And so I chose to step out of teaching at that point, really believing I'd be right back, <laughs> not knowing mm-hmm. that there were four more children to come. <laughs> and um, it's just good what we don't know. And so I began staying home with my little one at the time, quickly had another. And it was then in that season as a mom with two small children that I started um, just to feel like the Lord was like, okay, you know, now um, pick up that pen again and, and start to write. Mm. Yeah. Well, so I would love to hear more about sort of that moment when he sort of whispered this to your heart, because you actually say you sort of protested. So I'm interested to hear yes. what excuses yeah. did you give God? Cause we're prone to do that. What, what did you, yeah. uh, you know, and how did you move past those excuses um, to obedience? Right. Well, I mean, I just think, you know, life was full and overwhelming, not full, like busy in the sense that we were running around just busy because little people keep your hands full and, yes. and they deplete your heart. And I think more than anything, you know, my complaint to the Lord was like, I don't have emotional capacity, um, you know, or creativity at this point in my life. I'm just, you know trying to do my best with these little people you've given me. And, and so I, I, I remember one night as I sat at, um, in front of the computer and just like this blank screen and, and just sort of arguing this out with the Lord and also kind of a like, God, like who would read what I wrote? You know, this whole, mm-hmm. like, I'm not, now I'm just a mom, just a mom. That's what I was telling him, you know, and I don't really have that much exciting stuff going on in my days and what like what what would you even want me to write about and I feel like he just kind of took my hand in and he was like I just want you to write for me and like just just trust me like pick up the pen and we'll do this together and so I just and you know blocking wasn't even a thing that I'm gonna sound like a dinosaur but not really that wasn't we were still like you know writing was still like articles printed out and sent in yeah. envelopes you know and right. so I I just stepped into that world I stepped into just the magazine world and I and I just kind of just bought a writer's market and started flipping through the pages and seeing what this was all about and found a couple places that seemed like they were looking for maybe the kind of um, message I was writing and and honestly, I can look back now and realize it was so unusual and God was just so gracious in the way he opened doors that probably um, never should have opened. I mean, I wasn't even trying to kick them down, but there's an editor at Today's Christian Woman magazine back then who just, I just caught her eye and she literally wrote me a letter and said, well, this isn't quite it, but I'll work with you until we get this article, what, what it should be and I didn't know they didn't do that. Like I, I was so brand new to the world that I didn't know that that's not normal, you know, as we sent this, you know, article back and forth, back and forth. And, and I just feel like all along the way, the Lord placed women in my life who said, you know what, like I hear something in your voice and I'll help you refine it and I'll help you um, put this stuff into words. So goodness it's just lavish grace I don't I, I like said I know now having been in the writing world for 20 years that that's kind of unusual but I didn't understand that then you know I just thought this is how it worked wow what a gift and honestly I'm as you're talking I thought even 
for the woman listening that's not in the writer's world, that that's what we long for somebody to do oh. for us. Like to say, oh. I see something in you. Let me yeah. help pull that out. You know, like we just want yes. somebody to come alongside us. Yes. And help us yes. know, reach our dreams. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like now, you know, I ask for that more in prayer. You know, I was just telling a friend yesterday as we walked, like I'm, I'm boldly asking the Lord to send me a specific kind of mentor, you know, for the season I'm walking as a mom. And, you know, I ask for these relationships now. I think God loves to answer those prayers, you know, because goodness, we don't want to do it alone. Mm. And we don't know what we don't know. So the woman up ahead who can turn around behind and extend a hand Mm. just knows where we're going better than we do, you know? Yeah. Well, so as, as much as you love words and writing, you obviously love the author of life even more. So I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear when you first fell in love with him. Yes. Well, I mean, I can't remember a time of not being in love with Jesus. And I count that too, as just a gracious gift that I was you know, born into a family that loves Jesus. And I had a mom who loves Jesus, loves the word, loves the word. And so really some of my first memories as a little person is I would love to wake up early, kind of tiptoe out of my room and sit at the top of the stairwell. And I could look down then into the living room and guaranteed it would be dark outside. And my mom would be sitting on the edge of our ugly, like olive plush couch um, in her bathrobe with a cup of coffee and the Bible in her lap. And my mom just has loves the word and is a prayer warrior. And so I stepped into a, you know, life like that. I know totally covered in prayer. And, and it was just, we didn't just talk about Jesus. Like I just had a mom who knew Jesus, um, a dad too. He was less verbal about it. But um, just knew him, didn't just know about him. And so I just had the great gift of, of truly knowing Jesus, not just going to church or just, you know, knowing his rules, but just knowing the Savior who cared about every bit of my life. And um, yeah, that's how it started. And I think because I'm a, a lover of the word, too, you know, I just fell in love with his word. And I just hauled my little Bible storybook everywhere. And I was like a fangirl to different characters. I was obsessed with Joseph and the coat of many colors for a solid year. I wanted a coat that was striped. <laughs> like, I was a fangirl. They were just famous people to me. Mm. Um, so that, that's just where it began. And um, just found that the Lord has, you know, often given me just other believers to walk with and now that my children, some of them are young adults, you know, they, they often say, mom, hunger attracts hunger. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and apathy attracts apathy. And, you know, they've noticed in their own lives as believers, particularly as teenagers, that um, it's not that there's not any other people, people out there who are hungry um, for encounters with Jesus and his word. Um it's almost like the hungrier you get for it, the more you attract the people who are too. And so I feel like that hunger that the Lord gave me as a really young person um, kind of drew me to other people who were also just hungry um, for Jesus. Mm, I love that. I love that thought. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sort of in keeping with our theme of, of writing, how have you maintained 
the courage to surrender your pen and let Jesus script the pages that you are living. Mm, yeah. I would say um, like a decade ago, the Lord really um, invited me into a season of surrender that was just unprecedented for me. Uh, unlike any other time in my life, I always really kind of thought I lived pretty surrendered, you know, like open to his plans, very prayerful about decisions. Um, but he um, just began working in my heart and saying, no, like, I'm the author of life. You're not. And I'm writing your story and you're not. And so I want you to open your hands and lay down every bit of your 5, 10, 15, 20 year plan. Cause um, like I've got a better one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for a season, um, it, it really was odd because my writing had started taking off and I, my speaking ministry had really been flourishing. And just for a season, he, um, shut it all down, like almost overnight and just said, I just want you to press into me. Um, and I want you to, um, pour out to your family. And, and that's all I'm asking right now. And honestly, it felt like a demotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just felt like I was backsliding, like what? Like you're the one who was growing this and now you're halting it. And, um, you know, I had just, big dreams. I was a Beth Moore fan, you know, she mm. was hot in my twenties. She still is yeah, right. She's fabulous, yeah. but she was new. Like no one was teaching the word like her. And, you know, I dreamed that I would be, you know, having ministry like that. And I had these great big dreams and I would trust him, the Lord. I'm like, God, you know, like I'll go anywhere and teach your word. I'll stand on any stage. And, and, and it's what I was doing, you know, and um, not in big avenues as much as like just willing, like, God, you, you gather women and I'll open the word with them. And then he just really said, I would just want you to open the word in your home. I just mm-hmm. want you to do what you're doing on stage. I want you to do it at home. And um, it was an, it was an amazing season of fruitfulness. Um, but it took a lot of faith to believe that what God was inviting me into was equally significant and it's kind of embarrassing to say that now you know I'm on a in a different place and I can look back and see the ridiculous amount of fruit that he produced out of that season but at the time it really felt monotonous and um hard and kind of boring you know (laughs) I mean just to be honest and um we, you know, I would do all these um, creative things with my kids to make the word come alive. We called it wow. Like, I don't even remember what wow stood for. Something in the word wonder on the word. I'm not sure what we meant. We had, and I would write curriculum and we would, I would make Bible studies for them. And I would gather their friends and we do Bible studies. And um, it was great. And then it also like, we'd get to the end of a night with five kids and um, maxed out at the end of the night. It, it was never pretty. Like someone would cry and someone would sabotage the fabulous activity. And, you know, by the time, by the time we were done, my husband would look at me with that like glazed over look like, what are we doing? Like, (laughs) why are we doing this? We should put him to bed and not even try to do this. And so even that, just questioning, like, I'm doing what you asked me to do, but I'm not sure that it's working out how you think, Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, But he's so good because. one time I would say probably five or six years into that, into that obedience of just really pouring it into my family. And I was writing, you know, some for magazines and writing on the side, but I was primarily pouring 
that passion um, for the word and, and for writing and speaking just right into my home and to whoever, you know, that encompassed neighbor girls and, and friends of my children and that kind of thing. And um, I went to a writer's conference and sat down with um, an editor from Focus on the Family who was just starting a new magazine um, called Thriving Family. I believe is what focus on the family has brand new hadn't hit, you know, hadn't hit the market yet. They were just kind of brainstorming it. And I was pitching different things, um, books and things that I thought, you know, this publisher might be interested in. And he listened and then he looked at me and he put his pen down and he said, yeah, these are great ideas, but actually what I'm really looking for is an idea maker, like someone who can help parents bring the word to life in their home. Oh, and I just sat there and like, I had all these tears welling in my eyes and I was like, uh, I, I could do that. Like mm-hmm. I could be your girl. Yeah. Oh, you know? that's beautiful. And, um, I mean, the, he, it wasn't big, it wasn't long. It was actually very short. You know, I, I did a few, I did some pieces. I did, you know, more in the idea market. He put me in this kind of writing group where there are many of us. It wasn't just me, but many of us who were constantly sort of, streaming ideas in here's what we're doing at our house here's what you know this is just personally what's working and um and then the kicker which always makes me giggle is like no byline it's like you're not getting a byline right because you know you're just an idea maker behind you know a little Mm. piece of this lovely magazine and and I giggled I thought of course Lord of course there won't be a byline Mm. (laughs) because you've got me in a season where you're teaching me about significance and it's not about bylines you know, it's not about my name. It's about your name. And these parents who are bringing the word to life don't need to know my name. They just, they, they need to know your name. Their kids need to know your name. So oh, that, that was a season. Yeah, it was a season, Yeah, um, which is a lot more beautiful 10 years out. You know, I just can look back and it's so tender and sweet to me now. Some days I'm like, call me back. Call me back into that season. It's very simple pouring out and trusting you know that encourages me personally so much um because yeah. I'm sort of at the beginning stages of of a lot of these things but um so you know as you're as you're talking um I can really see this theme this common thread of obedience through mm-hmm. so would you sort of walk us through what it looks like to listen to God's voice and yeah. then not only listen to that voice, but then actually follow where he is leading. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think obedience is a word that has gotten such a bad rap. You know, we hear it and we kind of bristle. And um, But I'm becoming more and more convinced that, like, obedience is actually the key to the greatest adventures. You know, every adventure with Christ starts with a yes. It starts with obedience. Um, he can invite us, but without our yes, we're not going anywhere. He can, you know, stir something in us, but without our yes, we're not going anywhere. And so I feel like obedience really is the engine that fuels um, the greatest adventures. And I think um, a huge part of that is learning to, to hear his voice. Um, because if we can't hear his voice, if we can't hear his ask, if we can't hear his direction, if we can't discern where he's leading we'll muddle through and we won't know, but, you know, John writes, you know, um, that the sheep, that Jesus said, you know, I'm the good shepherd and the sheep know my voice. 
And so we were made, we were made to hear his voice. It's not a question of whether he speaks. He is the living word. So he always has something to say. It's just a question of whether we listen. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I mean, I'm no expert at this, but you know, I've just discovered that the more time we spend with him in his word, the better equipped we are to hear him both on the pages of his word, but also off his word, because his voice is the same, whether he's speaking to our ears through the power of the Holy Spirit as we drive across town or whether he's speaking to us as we hold the pages of his word. It's the same voice. Um, We won't recognize that voice if we aren't familiar with it, you know. So I I remember one time I was sitting in like a McDonald's with a girlfriend and our kids were all in the playland and, you know, those opaque tubes that they (laughs) climb through. You can't see them. You just trust they're in there and you're so happy they're in there you're sitting with your friend and you're, you know, I see it's a great setup, but <laughs> there was one day we were sitting there and I heard this mom, mom, you know, and I knew it was my young daughter and my friend who did, didn't have kids yet at that time, um, looked at me and I said, Oh no, Lizzie's stuck up there. I, I got to go. And I like ran up and I'm squeezing through the tubes <laughs> to go figure out, you know, where the three-year-old is. And I come back with a tearful Lizzie and her, pigtails are all out and she's a mess and she'd somehow gotten herself wedged up there and gotten afraid to climb down and my friend stared at me and just looked at me and she goes okay there are like 30 kids in that slide how did you know yours was the one who was stuck and I just looked at her and I said well I know my daughter Mm. therefore I know her voice oh yeah and so you know like I don't think the question is, how will I know it's Jesus when he speaks to me? The question is, how well do I know Jesus? Mm. And as we begin to know him, we will know his voice. We will. And obviously there's this, you know, this could be a whole other conversation that we could go on forever, but obviously there's ways that we need to be wise. You know, we test it against the word and, and we line it up with scripture and, you know, there are ways we test the words that we hear, particularly when it's, you know, it's not coming off the page, but it's coming through the spirit to our heart. There's certainly ways. Um, the enemy also likes to tell us things. So mm. there's ways that we need to learn to discern the word and be wise and steward it well. But I think so often um, women in particular, as I talk to long to hear his voice and follow. They really want that adventure that he's made them for. Cause I believe we all know we're made for it, mm-hmm. but they're so afraid of getting it wrong. Yeah. You know? And so I, I always just go back to, well, I mean, the best way to do it is just to know him. So you can be confident that you know his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, something that you've mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, you were talking about sort of, the significance, you know, in that part of the conversation. And, and you've actually said that you're okay with life, not being glamorous by the mm-hmm. world's standards. Mm-hmm. So what standards are you living by? Mm-hmm. And how do we, how do we focus on the same? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's really easy to say. I'll be honest. I have to like surrender to that every day. You know, I don't need a glamorous life. I don't, Lord, I, I want, a life that glorifies you. Um, because really when I was in my twenties and thirties, if you'd tell me I'd be 47 years old and, um, I wouldn't have the resume I thought I would have as a writer yet. And I, I wouldn't have gotten my PhD like I planned and all the things, all the things that were on my 
10 year list. You know, <laughs> um, I would, I would have thought I would be disappointed, but I think part of Jesus fully capturing my heart in the last decade, particularly in that season of surrender was um, just trusting that he can do more with my small steps of surrender than I could ever do with a lifetime of giant steps. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like, I'm going to borrow a, a fabulous title of a book a friend just gave me. Um, it's called Dream Big, Think Small. And I feel like, you know, we actually dream too small because when we partner with Jesus, you just can't even begin to dream the immeasurable things he's going to do with our obedience and with our sacrifices of time and talent and gifting. Um, but we also, you know, we forget that really the biggest things often happen in small steps. And so, for instance, you know, in ministry, um, I can go speak somewhere on a stage and that can feel big and it can seem like I've had a big, a big turnout and, you know, big response. And yet it's often the woman that I pray with in the elevator that years later I see the big, God is doing something big, right? And I got to be a part of this one small encounter. So I'm learning we just can't gauge significance based on what it feels like or based on size because that's just crazy. Because we have a God who like holds a whole, you know, galaxies in his hand. And then here we're going to start gauging on size. Like, well, that's not a big enough thing to say yes to or that's too small. I'm dreaming bigger. You know, again, it just goes back to listening and obeying. What's he asking um, from me today? Mm, yeah. Well, so you mentioned earlier, you are a mother of five and you often speak of the upside down mom. So (laughs) how do we learn to embrace the wow in our now um, to restore the wonder in our daily grind? Yeah. Well, you know, if you flip the word mom upside down, you've got the word wow. Mm. (laughs) um, I remember when my, my kids were young, one of my you know, early readers pointed this out. We, we had this sign that said mom and he flipped it upside down and, and said, mom, your name spells. Wow. (laughs) I I remember thinking like, Oh, I do not feel much. Wow. (laughs) The daily grind of motherhood. Like I would like to tell you there was a wow, but you know, there is, it's a grind. It's a lot, a lot of serving, you know, laying down self every minute. And, and the Lord just kind of teased me with like, what, what if there is wow? Like, what if you're just missing it? Like you just, you aren't seeing it, you know, it's there. You're not seeing it. And, and, um, he sort of used this sweet moment in the backyard when, um, my little ones were out and we had the tiny little plastic pool set up and they were using buckets to scoop out of the pool, some water, and they would just walk across the yard to where a tiny little flower bed was and they were watering their garden as they called it. Right. But so I'm watching them going back and forth, back and forth. I'm just super happy. They're, you know, occupied and I'm sitting in a lawn chair. Like, right. I, don't, I don't care. Water those flowers 3000 times. Flower them if you want. This is worth the price of a few flowers. And, but then I noticed as I watched that like my daughter's bucket, each time she scoops it, she gets the flowers and pours it out. It's full, you know, it's a full bucket. It's, it's going to kill the flowers at some point because we're drowning now. But my son who has the same size bucket, it just has this drizzle. So I pull him over and I say, buddy, like, let me see your bucket. And I inspect it and on the bottom are are a couple little holes 
And the story comes out that, you know, he'd been in the garage and he just wanted to try out dad's hammer and, and nail and mm-hmm. he'd put a few holes in the bottom. And I explained to him like, well, this is never going to hold that much water because you've got some holes in this bucket. So we went, found some duct tape, we taped it up. Sure enough, you know, he could then carry all the water that that bucket was meant to carry. But in the process of this small little moment in our backyard, <laughs> the spirit is just nudging me like you were made to carry a full bucket too. Mm-hmm. Like your capacity for joy, it's full bucket, you know? And and just reminded me of that um, that place in the Old Testament. Now I'm going to quote it wrong if I say, I think it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, where God says like, I am, I'm angry about two things. And one of the things is that, you know, you are, um, you're carrying broken cisterns. Like mm-hmm. basically you're living broken and you're not holding what I gave you to hold. And God just used that little bucket to be like, I just think you need to patch them holes. And one of the first holes he showed me that was really preventing me from living that daily wonder of just the joy that he gives us, no matter whether we're moms at home with babies and diapers or, you know, sitting on a beach in Florida without children, like (laughs) whatever we're doing, we have this capacity to receive his joy to the full. You know, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to the full. And um, one of the ways I was missing it was I was just expecting it, once again, to look big. Mm. Like I was waiting for the big wow every day. You know, like the phone call that changed my life, the the trip we were going to take that was exotic. The, like the big wow that never seemed to come in that season. And in waiting for the big wow, I was missing all the little, all the little joys. You know, the wonder of watching my kids ooh and ah over a sunset, you know, the wonder of a neighborhood where moms, you know, stood alongside the curb and, and chatted about life, real life and supported each other. And like just the daily wonder of being alive in Christ, I was missing because I was looking for something big. Mm, and so I feel like he just called me back. And one of the ways I really, he really started to hone my vision was just, just inviting me to practice that habit of gratitude. And I can thank Ann Voskamp, like, you know, the rest of the globe can for just, you know, writing the thousand gifts and sharing with us her journey on counting the gifts in every day and, and seeing that there are thousands and thousands. And so I started a habit myself of being relentless about gratitude and, um, filling journals with the gifts I saw and, and not looking for the biggies. There were some big things in there, you know, but often just the small, even like recognizing that the muddy feet across my kitchen floor was like the sign of healthy, active children, mm-hmm. you know? And um, as the mom who wheeled her child into preschool, you know, in, in a little wheelchair, dropped hers off every day beside me. One day the Lord was like, she'd love to clean up you know, those muddy feet, like we don't all get the same gifts. So for the mom out there who can't count the muddy feet on the floor, like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? But there are these gifts and they're different for all of us, you know? Um, but so often we write off as we don't see the gifts. We, we in fact, even think they're like the annoyances of life. When God started saying to me, like, would you flip that? There's like backwards gifts in your day and you're just missing them. Wow. Good perspective. Good reminder. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate even the small 
Mm-hmm. Well, so you also say that motherhood has a way of making us feel like we're not enough. Uh, that, yeah. it, <laughs> that it magnifies our flaws and diminishes our confidence, demands our best while reminding us of our worst. Mm-hmm. And, and But you say that there's hope for every woman who has wished that she was a different mom. Yeah. So how do we trade our fear for faith and allow our gaps to become windows for grace? And th- these are all your words that mm-hmm. are on your mm-hmm. site, not mine. So yeah. Would you talk yeah. about that? The catalyst for, you know, that, that learning, that thematic lesson sort of that the Lord just continue, continues to teach me still, but really started teaching me when I had five little ones, you know, 10 and under, and there was just, just no way to ever feel like I was enough. Um, in fact, <laughs> we, we often remember the funny story of, I was expecting our fourth and I was just, I don't know, a couple of months from due date, it was soccer season. And I mean, at the time, my husband was a very small town doctor. And so he lived by the kind of ring of a pager and his life was super unpredictable and chaotic. So I, um, I had plan A, B, C, and D always like could kind of count them, kind of not. Um, but we were just in quite a season of chaos. And, and one day I sent him flying out to get our daughter to her last soccer game. And he pulled up to the field and it was Indy. Like she missed her last soccer game. And he's like, Oh no. And she was devastated. And he's calling me like, I think we got it wrong. And I, I literally just looked at the wrong day on the calendar. I didn't know we were a week ahead. Like I was so lost in time that I, I thought we were on, you know, a week earlier, whatever. It was just a mess and she was crying and I would have been fine with it if she wasn't so disappointed, you know, and I, he called home and he's like, it's fine. You know, we're, we're going to come home. It's all okay. And I just, I couldn't stand it. I just thought to myself, I can't even do the three kids I have. Like I am messing this up. So he got home and I was crying as hard as she was crying. I was trying to apologize. And, and I said, I just need to leave. And I left and I like went and sat out by the lake. And he's texting me like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I just, I, just, I just can't be a mom of four. He's like, yeah, we can't actually change that now. So it's <laughs> going to be okay. I really think it's going to be okay. But it got, got me in this position of like really, you know, I mean, it, you can't argue. I, I couldn't actually probably on my own and organizationally manage one more I'm, I'm super organizationally challenged which is comical that the lord gave me a large family so i know a lot of moms of large families that they, they have systems and they run like a fine oiled machine that is not us we just we just make it we we just do it we do a lot of laughing and we give each other a lot of grace and, and I, it's kind of that writer creative mind that i struggle to stay real organized so anyway um all to say that that was a season where God started saying, like, I'm not wrong. Like, I'm not wrong. You are the mom I picked for this fourth child. He did not tell me at that point he'd give me another. I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just, just like, you aren't enough. Like, you've never been enough. Not for one. Not when you were just a wife. Not when you were single. Like, none of it. You've never been enough. I'm enough. Yeah. So get over trying to figure out how you're going to be enough. You just, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And he really invited me to start to even recognize that some of those weaknesses that I felt so bad about, so guilty about some gaps, like my organizational challenges, you know, like that. And and it's embarrassing, you know, to be the mom who shows up at the wrong time at the wrong mm-hmm. field. Like it's always like, you got to lay down your pride a lot. He started showing me like, 
keep working on this. It's not an excuse, but like, I've got you. Like mm-hmm. your kids are learning grace. Your, you know, your friends are a village. You know, I'm giving you friends who can help you. I, I ended up, you know, in certain seasons, I having friends who would just text like, want to make sure you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. And not in spite and not because they yeah. were just in love. Like, yeah. we're just going to help you keep track of things. And he started to show me like through all these deficiencies that you think are wrecking your family. I am shining through with grace and with provision and with all you need, you know? And interestingly, I just sent a daughter to college. I don't remember having these conversations when I sent my son. I think it's a little different being being in a boy's dorm versus girl's dorm. But my daughter keeps talking about um, so many of the pieces of community living that are throwing some of her friends. You know, they're just so odd. um, It's like, doesn't even bug me, mom. (laughs) <laughs> the chaos the sharing the bathroom with lots of people and so we've giggled I'm like look the Lord was so kind to you <laughs> to put you in a family of chaos all your life with a mom who was constantly confused <laughs> because now you know your new normal just feels homey and <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable so even now the Lord is just kindly mm-hmm. showing me like it's okay I've got your kids yeah he prepared you <laughs> oh. Oh, goodness. Well, so, you know, this other theme that is sort of ongoing in this conversation is about the small things. And so, you know, learning to do small things with great love, um, you know, and and finding sort of the joy in our little everyday moments. So in that, what would you say about God's ability to, you know, still appreciating the small, but God's ability to sort of multiply our small. Yes. 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 Well, you know, I love that verse that he says um, in Zechariah, like do not despise the day of small beginnings. It's like, I feel like we so much, even as we're dreaming big and I believe he wants us to dream big, like, but I think he wants us to dream bit with him. Right. So that we're dreaming his big dreams. And I really believe he gives us impossible tasks. Like he will call us to things that we're like, no way that's too big for me. So I'm not really advocating that, you know, we lower the bar as much as we realize that as God plants some big dreams in our hearts, um, he's going to invite us to trust that our small offerings will eventually, you know, get us to that point of the big dream. And so, like, I think so often, like, we forget, like, the loaves and fishes. You know, we have this boy who offers all he has to Jesus. And Jesus, like, perfect. I can do a lot more with that than what you think. Mm. And um, so I think whether it's, you know, on your job, you know, and, and you, you're you hoping someday to, you know, climb the ladder and get the promotions. But right now, God seems to be holding you where you're at. And there's no telling what he does with your faithfulness day after day after day after day. And I think where we probably get stuck on missing some of the great adventure is we we just size up our yeses, you know. So, again, we're just back to, I feel like a broken record, but we need to you know start each day with, uh, I put my yes on the table before I even know what you're asking. This is, to me, is like the walk of obedience. My yes is on the table. We start with yes today. And then as I go, I listen, you know, and I've got a plan and maybe someday he'll let me stick with the plan, right? And other days he'll say, that actually wasn't my plan. And I'm going to invite you into this or that. Um, and I'm going to do something bigger than what you can see with that. Even just in my writing world, you know, 
we giggle about how I landed on Proverbs 31 writing team, which is such a gift and an amazing opportunity to partner with that ministry and really, you know, be able to reach women around the globe with the hope of Jesus. Um, but, and that was my dream to do that. In fact, you know, as a little girl, I always pretended to travel, um, you know, travel and meet people around the globe and tell them about Jesus. And mm-hmm. somewhere in there, I would imagine I'd be signing books and all the things. And one day, um, well, actually a couple of years ago at She Speaks, I was having a meal with Liz Curtis Higgs, who, as you know, we call her like the matriarch of mm-hmm. Christian writers and communicators. She's just been at it so long and has had such an incredibly fruitful ministry. And I was telling her about this little girl dream, you know, and she looked at me and she said, Alicia, isn't it amazing that God has given you back that dream? And I said, yeah, but no, I'm like at home with five kids. <laughs> they were much younger at the time. So I'm not hopping on planes and, you know, spreading the gospel across the world. And she's like, no, but your words are going around the world while you get to stay home and change the diapers. And like, just for a moment, I was like, wait. You know, the small offering, it feels small to pluck out the devotion at between 12 and 2 when my house is quiet. It, it, it just feels kind of small, right? And, and that's what I can do. And, and it doesn't quite match the dream of traveling globally and, you know, equipping women face to face. And, and yet she, she reminded me, no, like God's actually doing it. Yeah. She's doing it. And even with Proverbs 31, I'm telling two stories. So sorry, I'll zigzag back. When, um, when God called me to step back into writing, as we were talking about earlier on, um, and I told you, I just kind of bought a writer's market guide and went through and tried to figure out where I could send my articles. And I, um, and, I, and maybe my own pride, I didn't send it to anyone who didn't offer to pay some things, you know, like they, they have little dollar signs with signed it kind of saying how much they're going to pay you. And, you know, I gauged up like, well, I'm going to only send it to the you know, two and three dollar sign people, because goodness knows if I'm going to stay awake all night to write, I want to at least be able to buy diapers with some, you know, <laughs> help. I want to be able to buy diapers or something like fund something, um, come alongside my husband and feel like my, my time spent, my sleeplessness was worth it. And again, trying to size it up, you know, by, by what the world would say, well, that makes it worth your time. And I got, I must have accidentally sent an article out to a magazine that doesn't pay. And it happened to be Proverbs 31 woman, which was long ago, Proverbs had a print magazine when they were pretty new in ministry. And I connected with um, editor now, dear friend, Glynis Whitwer, and she, she saw something in that writing and she wrote me a beautiful letter back saying they'd love to print my article, um, would love to share my words, and they would pay me in five copies of the magazine. <laughs> and I just read that and I was like, oh can't buy diapers with coffee <laughs> and I just left it on the table like this is so embarrassing I maybe Glenn's is listening <laughs> um, like a little bit insulted like really but you know really what would I do with five magazines I love your magazine but I don't need five you know and so um I left it and a couple of days later my husband found it and read it and was like oh this is so great and you know this is so neat they want to share your work and I said yeah it is and I love their ministry but look they're gonna pay me in magazines (laughs) and he looked at me and he was like well what's the problem with that I was like wow you know I'm being all grumbly and he said Alicia 
he just had this moment, you know, of wisdom, like he so often does. He says, Alicia, I think if the Lord is opening up a door for you to share the message he's given you, like, you definitely should walk through it. Mm. I don't know why you wouldn't walk through that. Mm -hmm. You know, so my husband didn't see small. He saw a big answer to prayer. We've been praying that the Lord would provide you know, opportunity for me to use my gifts, even though I was home with many littles. And, and I almost missed it because it looked small because I had no dollar signs but beside it. And, you know, now I giggle, you know, I many times I've asked, how did you get on? How are you on the writing team? And I'll kind of giggle like, well, <laughs> you know, I said yes to something really that felt really small. And I spent a decade writing for a magazine that was beautiful and, and, and having the joy of an editor who invested in me, right, and grew me as a writer. And, um, and eventually it evolved into being a part of the writing team. But it wasn't like an overnight moment. But I just read something and said, oh, my goodness, we need that writer. She's amazing. That didn't happen, you know. Mm. It was the small yes, the daily yes, the yes to being um, taught and trained and, you know, accepting criticism, constructive criticism to grow, um, which is just writer, mom, wife, any of it, you know, there's this process of saying yes to growth. Yeah. Doing what we can do and giving our yes, but then letting God take care of the rest. Yeah. Right. Cause I would have missed it if I hadn't said yes to writing when my kids were asleep in the middle of the night. So I had a yes to put out there. But where my yes leads is really up to the Lord. Like I didn't need to kick down doors to get there. Mm -hmm. And so often I think we spend so much of our energy trying to kick down doors that he's like, that's actually not even the door I wanted to open. My door turn about, you know, 30 degrees to your left and you'll see the door that's open, Mm -hmm. you know. So he doesn't ask us to kick doors down. Yeah. And as, as you're talking, I'm just thinking... We're, we're just looking through the wrong lens, you know, and just to, to, you were looking sort of through our earthly fleshly lens and just to, to try our best to look through God's spiritual lens. He sees things so much differently. You keep talking about measuring and how are we, you know, what's small in our eyes is not small in his. And and, yeah, oh gosh, that's the challenge. I think you're right. And it's, I do think it's a daily challenge. And certainly I would never want to say I've, I've made it like I 12 times a day, I have to lay down the measuring stick that I'm carrying in my hand and be like, okay, you know, let's lay this down. That's not how God sees this. That's not how God sees this. You know, it's, it's not natural, you know, which is we can't do it without the Holy spirit because our, it is not natural mm. to see things and certainly not in this noisy world we have where we can just scan social media and always find someone who seems to have a bigger gig, a more important job, a better platform, whatever it is, as we try to size things up, you know. Yeah. But my son, Joshua, when he was like three, was obsessed with measuring tapes. <laughs> and I, I mean, obsessed the great big giant ones, you know, that electricians would carry around or something. And every day he'd wake up and he would clip this giant, you know, tape measure onto his pants and it would, you know, pull down half of his pants <laughs> so heavy. And he was like a little feather and he would carry it around. And for like a month, he was obsessed with measuring everything. And so it would be like, I would say, Hey man, you know, do you want, 
do you want to have toast or cereal for breakfast? And he could never make a decision without a measurement. So he would look at me and like, well, I don't know. And he'd pull out the measuring tape. He'd measure the cereal box. And, and he didn't know numbers yet. He was that little. He'd be like 5,152.05. And then he'd measure the toaster, you know, 7, 6, 9, 1,200. I'll go with toast. And I mean, we would do this all day. Do you want to ride your bike or walk? When we go on a walk, do you want to, you know, this and that. And it was so cute for a while. I have a zillion pictures. And then it, I just got over it. Like, this is slowing me down. We cannot make a decision without measuring. And we were in the grocery store one day. And I was trying to, you know, check out. And there's a long line behind me. And, of course, I had just bribed the kids. Like, you can pick a candy if you'll stay in the cart. So this is not a, a how to mother well <laughs> conversation. Just, so my kids have all put their candy up on, on the little, you know, on the conveyor belt. And Josh... It's not, has not. And with they're like bagging up the last bag of groceries. I need to pay. I can tell the people behind me are kind of rolling their eyes because I already had a huge cartload of things. And he is sitting there measuring every stick of gum, <laughs> snicker bar, <laughs> you name it. And I'm just dying. I, I, I just, I just have a moment where I just totally, I'm not enough. And I lose it. And I, and I grab his little tape measure. I'm like, Josh, just pick a candy. These numbers don't mean anything. And he turns his wide-eyed green gaze, you know, and his eyes get all like blurry with tears. And he looks at me like, what do you mean? These numbers don't mean anything. And I grab like a candy bar. I throw it on and I kind of tug him out. We get to the car and he's like, what do you mean? This is my tape measure. He's like, I know, but it doesn't mean anything. And like instantly awash with mom guilt for the lovely moment mm-hmm. I just had for everyone in the grocery store to see, along with my crying toddler, I've just crushed his dreams. And then the spirit just says to me, yeah, well, you carry those. Yeah. You carry that measuring stick too. Yeah. You know? And I think it's just been my prayer. Like, God, I just want to, I just only want you yeah. as my measure. And I think really the only measure that's going to, matter in the end is you know just how well we obeyed like Mm -hmm. obedience is sort of the measure he says if you love me you will obey what I command so it's like his love language you know Mm, yeah oh gosh so so good well Mm -hmm. so so this um season I'm asking all of my guests this same question to close Mm -hmm. so who has loved you well uh-huh. And, and how have they loved you well? Because I guess uh-huh. the, the, for me, it's like, we know we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and with all of our mind. And we know we're supposed to love people, love our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to know, yeah. we're commanded this. So yes. how do we walk this out? And so this is my yeah. effort to sort of try to figure out how do we, mm-hmm. how do we love well and, and mm-hmm. what makes us feel loved? So mm. Oh, well, that's so easy. I have the most amazing husband and my husband loves me well. You know, he, um, I mean, he has always dreamed bigger for me than I have. He has always um, come alongside whatever the Lord is asking from me and he's fully supported it. Um, We met, believe it or not, in fifth grade. And so I always smile that the Lord knew (laughs) that I, um, as a young fifth grader, I guess, as I was sitting beside my husband, I didn't know it yet. Well, you have a fifth grader, don't you? 
Oh, my, my last one is a fifth grader. Yes. <laughs> and like, every think time, about that. <laughs> every time we read that class list when it comes out before fifth grade, we always think <laughs> and like, look around closely, kids. Oh, no. You never know. <laughs> my kids are totally horrified by it. And, and several of them are the age now. My, my top two are. Like my daughter's the age we were when we got engaged. My son is older than we were when we got married. Yeah. And they just sometimes look at us with that. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but um, he loves well. He's, an, he's just sacrificial. Um, he, you know, he, his daily faithfulness of getting up and going to work every day and um, coming home and being present for our family and just going above and beyond. Um, not going to walk out of the kitchen and leave me with dishes. Like it's so many small things um, where he just says like, I'll, I'm just, I'm going to love you. You know, I'll love you well. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the example my kids see, but honestly, there are so many pieces of the ministry that I do now that I wouldn't be doing yeah. if he hadn't loved me through it. Like for instance, Proverbs 31, I would have thrown away the letter mm-hmm. but in love he said i think maybe that's a door to walk through yeah you know um so i'm grateful i'm grateful and i'm 26 and a half years married and honestly it gets better and better so for those mm-hmm. at the beginning <laughs> it can feel so hard it's, you know marriage is hard it's like hard because it's daily death we choose to die to ourselves and lie ourselves down and put our spouse first and love our spouse like we love, you know, the Lord and ourselves and mm. our neighbor. And sometimes I feel like our husbands are the sort of the neighbor we forget to love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The ones that are right under our roof. And so um, he does it really well. He does it better than I do. He, he, he knows how to love well. So I'm grateful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, that unconditional love. Yeah. Um, That's the challenge to walk out. Yeah. So other than, you know, contacting you through Proverbs 31, how else can listeners stay uh, in contact with you? Yes. Well, um, I love to meet face to face. So if they're looking for a speaker for a ministry event um, that they are planning, um, I, my ministry calendar I leave plenty of room for traveling and speaking so that's my favorite way to meet people because I love to spend face-to-face time with women and they can um, go to my website which is alishabrucksport.net and did I get did I say that right (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it in the show notes if I need to fix it I'm just having a moment I can stream out my website. Right. We're back to the organization. Um, <laughs> anyway, go to my website, um, which is called The Overflow. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll be honest, I'm a very occasional blogger in this season of life. I, I blog maybe one, about once, twice a month. So I'm not, I'm not super um, regular. There's years and years of material, though, if they want to just meet me there and read the words and a lot of what I wrote in a different season of parenthood. Um, so any of those young moms out there that just want to meet me in the middle of the mess, um, lots and lots of, of stories and encouragement, but also there's some tabs there. So there's a way to um, contact me. They can find my email there. There's a way to contact me about speaking. They can see my speaking calendar, maybe check if I'm anywhere nearby. Um, I'll be at She Speaks this year. If we have any uh, aspiring writers or mm-hmm. who are going, please drop me a note. And maybe we can touch base. And then also I do, um, do have a writer's page on Facebook. And 
it's Alicia Brooks for, you know, my name, but it's the overflow. So, um, not to be mistaken for my personal page, which is just Alicia Brooksford. So if they head that way and want to connect with me there, um, I spend some time, some time on social media as well. Yeah. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for being my guest today. It, it, your, our conversation has encouraged me personally in lots of ways. And um, I hope and pray it has for the listeners as well, just to really encourage us all to overflow with the love uh, for Jesus and for our families. It all matters. And that's my biggest mm-hmm. takeaway from our conversation. So God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope that it encouraged you to put your yes on the table in obedience and to realize that no matter what you're offering, whether it seems small or big, that in God's hands, that it makes an enormous impact. If you are interested in show notes from today's episode, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook, or you can have them sent directly to your inbox by going to rachelkadams.com. If this podcast has inspired or encouraged you in any way, I would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. Next week, my guest is Kelly Odell Stanley. Kelly is the author of Praying Upside Down, Designed to Pray, and Instaprayer, which are prayers to share. You all, it's such a good conversation about how to pray when sometimes we feel uninspired or it feels routine or sometimes when we wonder if he even hears. So that's next week. But until we meet again, I hope that you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.